there is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast for all things growth, entrepreneurship. And we are here with a really fun topic today. I'm your host, Kip Bodner. I'm joined as always by my fearless co-host, Kieran Flanagan. We have a special guest today, Salem Elise, who is going to be dropping all types of knowledge of TikTok with us. She has gone viral with her music and storytelling on TikTok. She's going to give us some knowledge around how you can do that as an individual and as a brand, how you can work with creators, how you can actually just understand how to make TikTok a better and bigger part of your marketing strategy. I am so excited. Welcome Salem to the show today. Thank you so much. I'd love if we could just kick off hearing a little bit about you. I think a lot of people know you from viral TikTok videos, whether it be Crypto Boy, or I think you've got a really popular PlayStation song. You found this world where you create amazing songs around really popular topics that like the zeitgeist and humanity really cares about. How the heck did that start? How do you go from being a person who likes music to going viral on TikTok? Thanks. Well, I've been making music for basically as long as I can remember. I started singing and songwriting when I was like four years old. My parents have a whole array of black male CDs of me just, you know, <laughs> singing as a toddler. Love that. Yeah, they're very funny. And then I went to Berkeley College of Music for two years in Boston, and I dropped out and moved to LA. And then I kind of just threw myself into the scene here. I tried to do sessions with literally anyone who would write with me. I would DM people on Instagram and be like, please work with me. <laughs> and then the pandemic happened and my label reached out to me on Instagram. Instagram DM, I got to say, wow. it's a good business tool. <laughs> I, never, awesome. I never thought. Yeah. And we started talking and I'd released them out of Disney before, but it hadn't really done anything. It got on a few Spotify playlists. My label saw it and they were like, hey, I think this song could, you know, really have a life of its own on TikTok. And I was like, oh, I don't want to start TikTok. Like, <laughs> that's for 12-year-olds. Like, I really didn't want to kind of take that step. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Like, I don't need TikTok. And they were like, no, like, really? I think you should try it. Like, I think there's a space for you on it. I was like, okay, I guess. So I posted a video of me singing it in my bedroom and it kind of went crazy viral, which was the coolest thing that's basically ever happened to me. And when you say crazy viral, like how, how many people watched you sing this song in your bedroom? Well, it got a million in the first day, wow. which was just mind boggling. I lot. thought my phone had broken, honestly. Um, <laughs> and now I think it's around like 30 million. I can't even fathom it. But that kind of started my career on TikTok. So ever since that day, I would wake up and then film a TikTok in the morning, post it and continue that trend. And for a while, it was really just like consistency and having something to post of me singing every single day. And eventually I, you know, amassed a lovely platform on there and kind of got to experiment more with different types of videos, um, not just me singing. I would do, you know, some trendy things, some personality pieces, but like the core of my TikTok is me singing songs that I write. 
And yeah, I found I got really good luck on there. <laughs> so I've just been stumbling my way through ever since. Well, you say good luck, but I don't think any of those things like happen by happenstance. I think you probably <laughs> learned a lot of things along the way in terms of how to be more successful. I mean, you said one of them right off the bat, which was I do this every morning. Yes. There is a consistency. There's kind of a ritual to it. But like for everybody listening who may be new on TikTok or hasn't gone viral on TikTok yet for themselves or their brand, what have you learned? Like what are the things that actually make that happen? I could talk about TikTok and the algorithm for hours. I'm so intrigued Please, with it. you're an algorithm expert. We want to know. I appreciate <laughs> it. People listening want the download. I just find it so interesting because it's so unlike any other social media platform in the sense that The algorithm, I really feel like my For You page is for me. Like there is someone listening to all my conversations. They're inside my brain. Every time I'm scrolling, I'm like, oh, wow, that is made for me. That's exactly what I want to see right now. It's like puppies and then like some undiscovered artists. I feel like I could be an A&R just from my For You page because I get so (laughs) many like small creators that are so talented. It's really miraculous the way that the algorithm kind of just like pins someone down. I think that TikTok is really good at taking an artist and matching them up with their audience. Because I really do feel like everyone that creates art, whether it be musical or otherwise, does have a target audience somewhere out there that will appreciate their art. I think the hard part is just connecting the two. And I think that's what TikTok is really good at. Yeah, my advice, I guess, would just be consistency, posting whatever is true to you. There's a lot of people that don't like my art on TikTok, and that's fine. They don't need to see it. The beauty is you can just scroll on by. But I do really think that there's an audience for everybody. And the more you post your own authentic content and what you genuinely want to be represented by on the app, the easier it will be for the algorithm to take the audience and put it to your content. One of your first pieces of advice here seems like feed the algorithm. Yes, definitely feed the algorithm. And also don't get discouraged because... I have definitely noticed the algorithm kind of, you know, it goes in waves. So for example, it was very happy with me when I put out my song PS5 with Tomorrow By Together and Alan Walker. I'd struck a nerve with that one. I did an open verse challenge, which I'll talk more about those as well, because those have been really helpful for me for a lot of different songs. And it kind of started to go viral off of a few videos. And then ever since one thing of that song went viral, then every single time I would post about that song, it would continue to go viral. The algorithm kind of latches onto something. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You know, Mad at Disney was the same thing. Ever since that one first video went viral from Mad at Disney, every time I would even mention it in a hashtag after, that next video would do so much better than something that wasn't involving Mad at Disney. The thing is, this only lasts for, you know, a finite amount of time. So... It'll probably last, I don't know, like two to three months. And you can kind of like milk that one thing that's doing really well for all you can. And then the algorithm is kind of like, okay, we've seen enough of this. Give us something else. And then it's that struggle of trying to find, okay, what's the next thing that's going to react? And sometimes, you know, you have a song and you're like, I really want this to go viral. So you'll just try absolutely everything to push it until it gets that viral moment. And then you can kind of coast on it for a while. And the pattern continues. I think your path is what, a lot of people are following, which is, hey, I posted on Instagram and Facebook, and then I kind of moved over to TikTok and why TikTok is actually a real thing with a real audience. Did you have to change content in the way that you created content significantly from the way you were creating on a Facebook and Instagram to the way you created it on TikTok to be successful there? Definitely. Yeah. I think the closest that I was doing before was YouTube, mm-hmm. just because that's, you know, mostly video platform. And I never really posted videos on Instagram before. That was always just pictures. And I'd never put too much thought into it. 
Facebook was always, you know, more like, hey, I'm having an event. This is what's happening. <laughs> Twitter was just like whatever I was thinking. So TikTok was really interesting because it was, you know, short video content. Mm. And that was something that I had to really get comfortable with, just like the speed of everything. Because especially when I first started posting in 2020 on TikTok, everything that was going viral was only like 10 to 15 seconds. And that's like that's barely hard. a chorus of a song. <laughs> that's like, you know, half a verse. So trying to find like the best 10 seconds of a song was definitely a bit of a challenge. But now I actually really like that it's, you know, shorter content just because I feel like everyone's attention span is getting smaller and smaller. (laughs) I'm, you know, trying to still ingest long form content, (laughs) but I definitely get lost in the For You page just scrolling for hours because you can see so many videos if everything is just like a few seconds. You can never get bored. It's interesting, right? Because Vine was TikTok before TikTok was TikTok, mm-hmm. but Vine never really took off. It just became a feature of Twitter and died. I wonder what TikTok have managed to do so well. Like short form video is not new, but you kind of mentioned the algorithm, like the way it matches you with content and makes sure that it gives you things that you exactly like. Maybe that's the thing they've really figured out. Yeah, I think the power is definitely in the algorithm and just that ability to kind of give someone as you said, exactly what they want to see and kind of keep them hooked for hours. Yeah. Everybody I've ever talked to about TikTok within the first like 10 seconds, they talk about for you, right? Yeah. It all comes down to the right. for you page, right? And it's like, Definitely. Salem, you did the same thing, right? Like you, you weren't talking to us very long before you were like, look, now let me tell you about the for you page. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything. And like the algorithm there, I think essentially becomes everything. I think for everybody listening, I think there's a few interesting things we've covered that I want to kind of recap. And then Salem, I want you to talk about a third thing. I think the first thing we said is like, you got to feed the algorithm on TikTok. You have to be very consistent with the work that you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to have an idea of who your target audience is and kind of what you're creating for them. The second thing you talked about, which was really interesting, was kind of like, you go looking for a hit. It's like, oh, how do I get a hit? And then how do I franchise or extend that hit? You know, once I have something that does really well, Mm. how for the next month to three months do I really create pieces of content that are related to that, TikToks that are related to that, that will continue to get really favorably treated by the algorithm. So those are two things I think if you're listening out there, you're thinking about for yourself, for your brand, how you win on TikTok. There are two things. Third thing you talked about specific to your music is around open verse challenge, or I would say getting other people on the platform involved. I'd love to hear how does that work? And like, how have you seen that benefit, like the work that you've been doing? A hundred percent. Yeah. That I think is one of my favorite, you know, marketing tools and just, you know, ways to get my music out there is fan involvement or not even fan involvement. I don't like the word fan, but like community involvement, I would say. Mm -hmm. So whether it be involving, you know, people that just like to consume my content or other creators on the app, an open verse challenge is a great way to do that. I think the first time I did it was PS5. And the reason I did it is because I knew that it would kind of spark some controversy (laughs) because the lyric that I chose for the open verse challenge was, you know, it's me or the PS5. And then you had like, I don't know, 20 seconds to kind of roast me. (laughs) And that's basically (laughs) what it turned into for the first, I don't know, few weeks. It was very funny. And that's exactly what I had intended. And it's funny because a few people from my team kind of reached out and they were like, are you okay? Like a lot of these videos are kind of brutal. Like they're really roasting you. I'm like, no, that's what I want. Cause I promise you it'll work. (laughs) And a few weeks later, there was one video in particular that was posted by this guy, Abdul Sise. And it was called Fortnite Battle Pass. And he did this kind of like freestyle rap. It was very funny. It was about Fortnite. And it was kind of just like him in his room. And that, for some reason, just really struck a nerve, went crazy viral. I think it got like 30 million 
plays in the first few days. And then ever since then, it was like every time I'd post anything about PS5, it would do well. And also people would be commenting Fortnite Battle Pass. <laughs> so we ended up actually featuring him on an official remix and we flew him out here and he was sitting right here on this couch, my studio. We got to film content for a whole day. It was lovely. But that was just a great example of how, you know, the open first challenge not only helped me and my song, but it also helped another creator and ended up letting me meet this really cool guy who now I love to make content with. That's the other thing that TikTok has really excelled at is like community-driven content. Yes. Like they just set trends. I don't know how many users TikTok has now, like hundreds of millions. But a trend seems to quickly uh, infiltrate the community and like expand across the community really, really rapidly. And again, it must come back to the algorithm, right? Like if you're Mm -hmm. interested in this one thing, you're going to be interested in the content that surrounds it. And I think the really cool thing for our listeners is how do you get maximum output from a single idea. Because if you're trying to do things each and every day, not every idea is going to hit. But when you do have a successful idea, how do you surround that with much more content? Yeah. And the thing I'm curious about is how good is TikTok at a monetization channel? Like, do you want your TikTok audience to go, you know, buy your NFT or go sign up to your album? Or like, talk to us about like, how do you as a creator use TikTok to get promotion for your other things that you're building. How do you actually make money is what your question, Kieran. (laughs) Yeah, my how do you make money? I'm being a capitalist. I'm going straight to like, how does it turn into money? Honestly, you're not going to love this answer, but I actually don't really focus on that with my TikTok platform specifically. I found that every time I've tried to sign up for the direct monetization features, there's the creator fund and there's, you know, other things that you can sign up for that will just automatically start paying you from your video views. I found every time I do that, I actually get less views. I think it's something Mm. I don't want to talk poorly of TikTok because I Mm -hmm. love them so much and they've given me so much. But I've found personally, every time I do that, I don't know if it's in my head or something, but my views kind of tend to drop a little bit. So for TikTok, I really just try and focus on getting as many eyes onto the content as possible. And I found that even without asking for it, there's a lot of cross-platform, cross-contamination through TikTok. So for example, every time a song goes viral on TikTok, I don't have to really ask people to go stream it on another platform. They'll just automatically do that, which is lovely. And it's something that I think is really unique to TikTok because you know if you have a viral Instagram post, it usually just kind of lives on Instagram. I think Twitter is is different also, similarly to TikTok, where, you know, people kind of take the initiative to kind of go off that platform, um, kind of find it somewhere else, which is really nice. But yeah, for TikTok, I really just focus on trying to build numbers and get the audience up as much as possible, because in the long run, that obviously, you know, helps monetization and helps financially. The more numbers you have, higher following count. If you do a brand deal, they'll pay you more just based on your following and you know, how your last, I don't know, 10 videos are doing. Cool. Yeah. It is kind of like brand awareness. Like there's direct good things that happen by having larger audiences, which is you get better brand deals. But I suspect like you as a brand and all of the other things that you do are just going to have much more of an audience because they know you from TikTok. They know that you're doing these other things like releasing NFTs and recording albums and and doing these other things. Yeah. Which is cool. Thanks. Yeah. It's also interesting because I feel like my TikTok following is very different. It's a very different demographic than my Twitter following, for example, because, you know, TikTok, I have a lot younger of a fan base on there. Mm. It's more like, I don't know, 10 to 16 is like the, the main fan base on there, where Twitter is a much older fan base. And I find that, you know, if I talk about NFTs a lot on TikTok, the younger fan base kind of just goes over their head a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely 
I feel like I have my kind of niche things to talk about on each platform. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool that way, honestly, that I have like, there's a lot of overlap, but each app kind of has its own niche version of my brand that they're getting. Yep. Okay. So we've learned that on the monetization side with Kieran's question, it's, it's all indirect monetization that if you get a lot of awareness yeah. on TikTok, you are going to get monetization through other channels. But if you just try to go straight for direct monetization, you're not going to get much distribution and it's not going to go that great. Yes. One of the things that it seems like you are exceptionally great at that I would love for you to share with folks listening today is it seems like you're really good at knowing who your audience is and creating a really interesting, compelling piece of content for them in a way that you know that will like ignite emotion and reaction from them. Like, how do you do that? Like, if you're a person out there, if you're a brand out there that you're trying to stand out, be different, like actually uh, be something that people want to watch and engage with. Like, what do you think the core secrets are there that you've learned? Ooh, that's a great question. Honestly, I think it all comes down to authenticity and making what you yourself want to see being created. Every time I go to write a song, I write something that, you know, I personally enjoy Mm -hmm. and like, and I don't share anything unless I stand behind it and really like it. I also do tend to incorporate a lot of you know, buzz terms like PS5 or brands or maybe things that are currently trending online. But honestly, that's never usually with the intent of it popping off just because it's trending. It's usually because something is trending and then it inspires me to create art. Mm -hmm. I write from what inspires me around me and my personal experiences. And a lot of that is pop culture. I spend a lot of time on the internet and a lot of time, you know, talking to like-minded peers. And, you know, I just think trends are so interesting. And oftentimes I think it's fun to try and, you know, find a way to turn that into a song just because it's inspiring to me. I would say definitely if something is trending, making a video or piece of content that's true to you around that is a good trick. Mm -hmm. So like that berries and cream thing that was trending (laughs) a few months back, that guy with the berries and cream, I was like, how can I turn that into a song? And it was kind of like a fun (laughs) little experiment for me. And I ended up writing a very short 15 second little chorus that ended in berries and cream and then had that viral sample in there at the end. And that did pretty well. And it's really about like taking something that's going viral and applying it to your field of expertise. And that just happens to be music for me. So uh, given that Kip and I are two people who love crypto, what was the origins of the crypto song? Like, was that just you yourself are pretty interested in it? Do you have people at friends who are interested in it and you're sick of them talking about it? <laughs> they probably aren't talking about <laughs> no. it that much at the moment. <laughs> but uh, what was the origins of, if you make pop culture, how did that come about that song? Yeah, that's a great example of something in pop culture that really fascinated me that I wanted to write about. And it's funny, that one to me reminds me a lot of PS5 because I wrote it knowing absolutely nothing about crypto. I wrote PS5 knowing nothing about gaming, just knowing that I was fed up of my roommates, you know, playing the PlayStation more often than talking to me. (laughs) Crypto is similar. I was kind of just tired of people talking about it all the time and trying to impress me with their wallets and, you know, (laughs) how early they invested in Bitcoin and things like that. So I was in a session with some friends one day and we decided to write Crypto Boy. And it was funny because none of us knew anything about it. So I kind of had to treat it like you know, a research project, which I love doing. I think because I dropped out of school, I kind of miss like being a nerd sometimes and actually getting to like go online and research things and study. So I really enjoy when songwriting kind of lets me do that. So I remember we took like an hour or two 
to kind of just like deep dive on crypto and try and learn all the terms, not all of them, but some of the terms and be able to like have artful references in the song that actually makes sense. And that was a really fun one to write just because I felt like I learned a lot in that session. So that one was another one I did an open verse challenge with. And Crypto Boy is really interesting to me because the way that that song kind of started growing was actually not on TikTok. It was on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I'd never had anything go viral on Twitter before. So it was a very new experience for me. And it was super cool to kind of see that. TikTok is not the only app that can kind of (laughs) break a song because that was what I'd been relying on for years now. And it was just a cool experience to see how, you know, another platform can kind of have a similar reaction that TikTok does. Yeah. Twitter has all the crypto nerds. Yes. (laughs) As I've learned. Yeah. TikTok people don't care about crypto. They care about other things. It turns out (laughs) hot. It's hilarious. Yes. They like gaming and crypto is Twitter. (laughs) So you went from not knowing anything about crypto, writing a song about crypto and dropping an NFT? Yes. It's really interesting. How you as a creator, why were you drawn to NFTs? Give us a little bit about the drop that you did. Yeah, definitely. So what happened was I released an open verse challenge on TikTok and it didn't really take off on TikTok. Honestly, there was some amazing submissions. People put up their own videos. They were so good. But what happened was there were three videos in particular one by this guy, July, one by this girl, Sad Alex, and one by this guy, Good Problems, that were posted to Twitter. And they kind of took on lives of their own. And someone decided to make a mashup of all of those with my original verse and chorus. And that ended up going very viral, which was so cool on Twitter. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like, we've found a new audience on a different platform, which was very cool. And suddenly, quite literally overnight, I had hundreds of people in my DMs being like, you need to drop this as an NFT. You need to make an NFT right now. And I was like, what? I'm going to be such a hypocrite. This song is literally (laughs) roasting NFTs. So I was thinking, I was like, how can I kind of, you know, enter the space in a very genuine way for me and not be hypocritical and just kind of do exactly what I um, am complaining about. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I had been reading up on Nadia from Pussy Riot and her recent NFT Mm -hmm. for Ukraine and how it raised $7 million for Ukraine, which I thought was absolutely incredible. I was like, wow. Wow. So NFTs can actually be used for the power of good and they can be a really great fundraising tool. And that kind of a light bulb went off my brain and I was like, that's what we need to do. We need to make this a fundraiser for reproductive rights. And we reached out to Nadia because, you know, I've looked up the Pussy Riot forever and I just think they're so cool. Yeah, she's amazing. And she immediately responded and she was like, I've actually already heard the song. I love it. And I'd be honored to do the artwork. And I was like, oh my God, really? So it all happened really, really fast. And she basically got the artwork to me two days later, I think it was, and it was perfect. We scheduled the drop. I had been invited to VCon the day before VCon, and I was flown Mm -hmm. out to Minneapolis, which was awesome. Got to meet Nadia there for the first time. We got to perform Crypto Boy to a literal stadium of Crypto Boys, and everyone loved it, which was just (laughs) the most ironic thing. It was so funny. They were all like screaming the lyrics with me. I was like, yes, you guys can really take a joke. I love it. This is what I like to see. And then we did the NFT drop the Tuesday after. It was just available for 24 hours and we raised about $169,000 for the Center for Productive Rights, which makes me so happy. That is amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Very cool. Well, I think one of the, the lessons from that that last story that I think is really important for everybody to take is the power of agility. You know, so much of what you do is it happens quickly. It's 
taking inspiration from what's happening in the moment. And like, you're really good at saying yes to things. (laughs) Everybody was like, hey, I need this to be an NFT. And you're like, well, yeah, well, I'll do it if I could do it for a cause I believe in with somebody who I really look up to. And if I can do that, I'll, I'll make that happen. And it turns out that you were able to make that happen. And that's great. And I think they're probably people and brands who are way more capable of doing that, you know, and then they are now and they just kind of shrug it off or ignore those DMs when they're actually like the spark of something really interesting. We're getting close to time here. One of the things I would love to close out on is what is your advice for brands? You know, you're an artist, you've been really successful, you've shared some great stuff. I've seen a lot of brands be not successful, kind of successful. Like if you're a brand today, like What's your advice for being successful on TikTok and to working with artists and creators like yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. I haven't thought too much about this, but now that I'm thinking about it, I do have some things that I've noticed brands do really well at. Please. The first brand that I can think of that has like a really strong social media presence is State Farm. And that's because of Jake from State Mm -hmm. Farm. I actually have a song called Jake from State Farm that, you know, (laughs) just kind of shows how great a branding it is. They have, you know, a whole character that supports their brand. And he has his own TikTok page and he creates content that markets State Farm, but in really clever ways and also is really good at bringing in other creators. So the Jake from State Farm TikTok account will often do like Mm -hmm. duet challenges where they'll, you know, do a funny skit and then call upon someone to like create responses. And, you know, I've personally participated in them. It's a really great way to get creators to market your brand without actually marketing the brand. They're kind of just marketing themselves Mm -hmm. by being involved in a challenge that they have put on. But it's indirectly marketing State Farm because, you know, if something viral happens for Jake from State Farm, then State Farm is what you're seeing. So that's a really good example. Another one is Duolingo. They are just really good at playing the viral comment game. Yeah. So every viral video that I see, I look at the comments and the top most liked comment is Duolingo. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's one of the best tools on TikTok for anyone actually, brand or otherwise, is just commenting on videos. Not just like every video, mm-hmm. like if you have something funny to say, definitely comment it mm-hmm. or just like something to add, then by all means, comment it because a viral comment, I look at it kind of like a viral tweet. You know, if there's like thousands of likes in your funny comment, sometimes people will press on your account and, you know, check it out. If they think you're funny or cool, maybe give you a follow. But for brands, especially, I find it really cool when I look and I see like a random brand commenting on a funny video and it just kind of adds like a level of relatability to the brand for some reason. Like Duolingo is widely known as just a great TikTok page because of their comments. They're always commenting interesting things. So I would say just trying to (laughs) kind of be involved in conversations as much as possible, even if it has nothing to do with your brand, just kind of gaining that extra personality on a Mm -hmm. social media is always helpful. Because even if we don't know it, if we're seeing a brand name pop up all the time, then we're going to remember it. And, you know, maybe when we're going to choose what product to buy or what language app to download, when you're trying to learn a new language, we're going to just see that and something will go off in your brain and says, oh, I remember this one from the TikTok comments. Yeah, I'll download this one to learn Spanish. Sure. 
I'm going to check out the Duolingo TikTok page. Yeah, the comments are great. <laughs> Very funny. Well, there, yeah. I think there's two real pieces of really important advice in what you just said that I want to reiterate for everybody listening so they know. Like, one, you use the Jake from State Farm example. It's really like sharing brand equity and reach. It's not like they go and ask creators to do their thing. It's creators are inspired because something's interesting, but they're also inspired because you know, State Farm is going to share distribution with them. They're going to include them on their content. They're going to help them get distribution, which is really powerful. And I think the Duolingo example, like what I really took from that was like, know why you're there. Duolingo is like, look, we may not be creating the best TikToks, but man, we are going to be the best viral commenter on yes, TikTok. 100%. They have their niche. You know, and like, if you're very clear on your purpose, you can be really remarkable at it if you know why you're there versus like yeah. trying to do a little bit of everything yeah, is pretty definitely. awesome. I was just going to say last bit of advice for brands when they are calling upon a creator or hiring them to do like a paid post or something. I would say the best performing posts that I've done for brands are ones where they'll give me a lot of freedom and basically say, you know, here's what we're trying to market. You're a songwriter. Do something with songwriting and that put together not too many restrictions, just kind of letting the creator that they're hiring do what they're good at mm-hmm. and involve their brand, you know, as best as possible. But I've found a lot of times I'll get briefs where it's like a very, very specific thing that we have to do. And it has nothing to do with what I'm good at or why people follow me. And the thing yes. is, you know, I can post an ad every day, but they're not going to do well. So it's not really going to help the actual brand because the people that follow me want to see the content that I create normally, which is music-based content. Mm. So if you're hiring someone to make a post featuring your brand, I would say give as much creative freedom as possible because no one knows their audience as well as the creator. Yes. Incredible advice for brands. Like we really talked about two trends that are really important for all of our listeners to know that they're going to be much more important in the future. Short form video is going to be so important to brands and how we do content on the internet. The other thing is I think all content is going pop culture. Even business content is going pop culture. And I think how do you plug into pop culture is going to be really important for brands. And then how you work with creators. Like the creators are just this growing part of the economy. And things like crypto and NFTs and all these different things actually will make being a creator a much more attractive career path. And I think brands are going to have to learn how to work with creators. And I think this is really great advice. You're better than most at creating short from video, plugging that into pop culture, and you are an incredible creator. So I think for our listeners, they're just going to get a ton of value from this episode. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This was such a fun conversation. It was awesome. I learned a ton, Salem. Thank you so much for your time today. Is there any place you would like to send folks so they can learn more about you, learn more about your music? If you would like to check out my TikTok account, it is at Salem Elise. And more importantly, if you would like to check out my music, it is also on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, etc. under Salem Elise. And I have a new song coming out on Friday, actually, called Moment of Silence. And the proceeds are donated to reproductive rights as well as the fight for gun control. And that's quickly another great example of community involvement. There's going to be a music video made entirely from submissions from people sending in their own videos to contribute. So I'm really excited to share that. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. If you haven't already done TikTok today, good luck going and getting that done. (laughs) Going to do that right now. (laughs) I I figured as much. But in all seriousness, thanks so much for taking a few minutes and chatting with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. Cool. Bye.